Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, did you enjoy that Monday night football game last night? Yeah, me neither. The winless Steelers and the winless Bengals. And it turns out the winless Bengals are much worse than the winless Steelers. <laughs> how does Andy Dalton get sacked eight times? I mean, how does that happen? I know, Cincinnati doesn't block very well, and Pittsburgh runs in there and sacks him. All right, thanks for the breakdown. Steelers roll, they get their first win. Uh, we're going to turn to college football right now. Britton Covey, to redshirt or not to redshirt? It feels like he's about to redshirt, doesn't it? Kyle Winningham talked about it Saturday after the game. They're going to give it a couple weeks and see. He's got to be explosive. He's got to be able to change direction and accelerate. If his knee isn't right and he can't do that, then given his size, what really is he going to do? I mean, that's what sets him apart. The change of direction, the acceleration. And if he doesn't have it, then he's not really Britton Covey at that point. And right now, he clearly doesn't have it. He spoke with the media yesterday. PK was there to talk with Britton Covey. Listen to it on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. place inside and uh, comes a point where it's just where you feel like you're just trying to survive and you feel a little bit more vulnerable to injury because you're not able to avoid the contact as much and so I decided to take a step back for a minute. So did anything happen in the USD game? That so, so it actually happened the day bef- a couple of days before the Idaho State game that made it swell up. So it was really swollen during the Idaho State game and then it just never really went down. So before the USC game, I didn't even go out and warm up. I was in the locker room doing stuff to get the swelling down. And uh, In the end, it's just when you play my position, you that extra, you know, I, it's not a matter, matter of whether I can or can't play. It's just if I'm playing at 80, 85%, you know, as a slot receiver, you need that 15% if you want to be special. Right now, I feel like I'm a good player. I'm reliable. I'm still fast. But I, that 15% is what makes me me. And that's what I f- feel like I still need to build up some strength. The good thing is I f- it's not like I'm a long way behind. It's just I'm a few steps back. Mm-hmm. So the four-game mark, did that play into your thinking? Yeah, that played into all of our thinking. And, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks and it's been really hard to this has been you know I've been so conflicted and because that's the reason why I wanted to get back so so quickly was because this team is so exciting this year was going to be so exciting and I guess it's just we're we're, what it looks like is we're heading down the redshirt path and you know unless something drastic happens that will change it that's what we're looking at and uh, really hard decision for me um, but in the end, I just feel grateful to have that opportunity or have that backup plan, I guess. So the, the conflicting emotions then would be, okay, I've got two more years to play. Yeah, well, the conflicting emotions is based all around, It's not a me- this isn't a matter of whether I can or can't play. And so do I, you know, whatever the team wants me to do, I still can do it at a high level, just not the highest level. And so if I can contribute to the team, that's the hard part is stepping away when you still feel like you can contribute in a way but then it comes down to uh, I want to maximize my time I feel like I'm more injury prone right now because of it and uh, I just want to be me completely I like it <laughs> is that the fact though or is it the fact that do you not do you feel like you're not as fast and as well, quick actually, with the step as you recover 
I'm I'm still just just as fast. I I would say the brace slows me down in my quickness a little bit, uh, and when I get back, I want to be without the brace. Um, and so so I, I think it's the the positive thing is I mean if you go and watch the first four games, it's not a matter of you know Covey's lost a lot of quickness and speed. I mean I didn't get as many opportunities the first four games as I did compared to last season. Uh, I think it's just you know when, when you're my size, you need that extra 15% to make you special. Otherwise, you're just a reliable, fast, pretty good slot receiver. But if you want to be special, special, you got to be at a 100%. Sometimes missionaries, after they come home, they don't necessarily want to redshirt because they want to get on with life. You're obviously comfortable with redshirting? Uh, I'm getting there. It's been really hard. Uh, it's been a tough decision, mostly because I still feel like I can play. I know I can, but I definitely am more injury prone right now, and and uh, I don't have the strength in my quad, and and just the fact that my knee swells up over and over, it just is a sign, as the doctors say, that there's still some healing that needs to take place. So is this decision in conjunction with several people, or solely your own? No, several people. My whole family. We've talked about it for several. Ever since my knee started swelling up a lot. And then Coach Witt, Coach Holiday, you know, a lot of the receivers. So it's been it's been in the makings for a while. It's been in the works for a while. And uh, what it came down to really was that, was uh, that extra 15% is what's going to help protect me from injury, and it's what makes me special. And, you know, it's the positive thing and that people can kind of hold on to is if you go back and watch the first four games, it's not like I'm, like, way behind, just a little bit back. And so... I have a red shirt, and I'm, you know, not fun. I, I hate sitting on the sideline, but this year. exactly, especially this year. It was, that's why it was such a hard decision. But uh, in the end, I think it's the safest thing and best thing for me. There's PK with Britton Covey. When we come back, more Ute football. Frank Dolce on the way, and then Aggie head coach Gary Anderson. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time now to talk youth football with Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, man, I can't tell you how excited I was to talk to you this morning. You front runner. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you <laughs> every Monday morning. It doesn't have anything to do with the win or the loss. Sometimes when you talk about a loss, it's even more compelling. There's, you know, everybody wants to complain about it, but so Whiners. wins are boring. Winning's boring. <laughs> By the way, did you? I was just looking at the the post game uh, comments by Coach Leach. Did you guys? Did you guys watch that? We're well aware of it. Yes, Frank. Yeah. What did you? What do you think of the way that Coach Leach manages his post game? Do you think that's strategy, or do you think that he's just like? I mean, I don't. I don't know. What kind of personality trait is that? 
As I said, I think it's great to be Leech. When you win, it's all about how eccentric and creative and funny and masterful you are. And when you lose, these guys suck. Yeah, I want him to be. I want him to be the same way when they lose. Like, you know, be creative and interesting. And but, fun. but it, yeah, it, but it turns nothing, into like he, nothing, he torches the team. There's nothing funny about getting your butt kicked, though. So I think he's got to be different. The question is, how is he going to be different? And it was by calling yeah. him soft and entitled. Yes. Yep. Well, but you look at the way they finished the last go. two games. They got outscored 50-14 to 14 in one game. They got outscored 24 to nothing in this game. So it's not like they're fighting back down the stretch. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, especially on the, on the defensive side. That team has some, some issues. I think we noticed it first, uh, maybe against Houston, there was some – tendency on the defensive side to not make not make plays when there was you know the opportunity to make a play and then obviously against UCLA it was like a a train wreck and and then the way Utah managed managed these guys on on Saturday that was pretty dominant effort so I'm curious now that it's done and the Utes have the win and you know you fans should feel better about that but uh, you know the discussion will always follow did that win say more about the Utes and their ability to play well or did it say more about the Cougars just folding their tent and doesn't tell us that much about what the Utes are going to do down the line against some other teams how do you look at that Yeah I I think it you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't jump on the you know the youth are headed to playoff now kind of kind of talk. Um, I, I think this Utah team still has something to prove against more significant competition, and not that Washington State isn't significant competition, but but I just think there are weaknesses on that team, and Utah was able to exploit those those weaknesses. Now Utah certainly played well, and they corrected a lot of mistakes from. The, the prior week, and and did a lot a, a lot of things really well. It took took a step forward. So, although the loss was really bad at USC, I think that facing that adversity for the first time, and then coming into a game with you know kind of your back against the wall, and having ha- having to respond, and and you know all of those things, I, I think Utah did that really well and answered a lot of questions. So, I, you know, I'm not this. To me, this this Utah team still—it's it, not like th- this team's going to walk into the you know division championship and maybe get into the conference championship game. Um, but I think they're better than than they looked at USC, and 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 maybe it's it's more telling about Washington State. I think this Washington State team has some significant issues, especially on the defensive side. Uh, no question about that. They'll face their music versus uh, these other teams to go forward. As far as the Utes go, we've got five games now. And in my mind, Tyler Huntley's been nothing short of brilliant. He is the conference MVP offensively. He's first team all-conference. It's still more than half the season to go, obviously. But to this date, I don't think you can ask anything better. He's a senior. Everything is together. For whatever reason, he and Ludwig, as opposed to the other coordinators that he's had, have been on the same page to the point where he has just been awesome. And what do you attribute that to? Andy Ludwig utilizing the skill set, utilizing the talent that he has available and managing it the right way. I, I think that 
the things that we talked about, Andy Ludwig coming into this offense, taking over as offensive coordinator, I think we're seeing those things come true. I mean, he got a lot of – Coach Ludwig got a lot of, got a lot of flack last week. Two, two weeks ago, I guess I should say, with USC and not being able to punch it in from three yards out a couple of times and, you know, an offense that didn't have great productivity in the passing game, although it was efficient, not, not a lot of yardage. And, and so there were, you know, there, there were people that were down on that. But, but the way that Tyler Huntley is playing and utilizing his, his strengths and his skill set you know, what else do you attribute that to? I mean, it's it's Tyler Huntley, certainly, and it's Coach Ludwig putting him in the right situations and right circumstances, and and then the execution. So for a guy to, to go with his completion percentage, not that he played a perfect game on Saturday, but man, that was pretty close. I mean, his completion percentage was fantastic. He was over 11 yards per reception which is fantastic, and a lot of that goes to the receivers. Those guys did a, did a really nice job. He still hasn't thrown an interception. He's utilizing his legs to escape. How many times did he escape pressure? And then he's taken the step forward, and he's evolved as a quarterback. He's keeping his eyes downfield. He's making throws downfield on the run. I think he, he had less than 10 runs in the game, and that includes the scrambling. So... For, for Tyler Huntley, that's the kind of game that you hope Tyler Huntley can figure out how to play every single week. And if if Utah can can go into a game and get, you know, 150, 200 yards rushing like they did last week, and the productivity out of Tyler Huntley they had against Washington State, this is a team that's going to be a really tough out going going through the rest of the schedule. Yes, but since they used the mulligan and they've still got what looks like an enormous game with Washington left, so even though there aren't a lot of complete teams that look really good, they're going to face a, a good Cal defense. Now, Cal's quarterback is hurt, and we'll have to see for how long. They're going to have to face what looks like a good defense at Arizona State, Arizona State's offense. You know, maybe maybe there won't be much productivity there. We'll have to see. I mean, they're starting a young quarterback. So, do you feel like the Utes have really arrived offensively or they had three overmatched opponents in the non-conference schedule and Washington State, in your own words, has got significant issues defensively? Are we still dealing with some unknowns for the Utes on offense? Yeah, I think there's still some unknowns. I, I don't know that they've arrived, but two weeks ago I would have said, well, there are four losses on Utah's schedule. If they play the way they played against USC. And Prior to the season, I thought there were two losses on the schedule. So now I'm going to flip back. And if Utah plays the way they did against Washington State, maybe there's two losses on the schedule. I think if everything goes the right way for Utah, they could get through the schedule with, with only the one loss to USC. I think that's very possible, the way they played. And with the talent they, they have on this football team. But... Um, it, it's certainly not a team that's arrived. And, and the minute that they start thinking that, then, then, you, then you have some trouble. I think the, the non-conference schedule, as, as you mentioned, as you alluded to, that didn't serve Utah well going into USC. But now Utah's had to face that adversity. They came through it um, and bounced back against Washington State. Now it's, it's going to be a matter if they can remember that, if they can hold on to that and, and figure out that, 
you know what, every, now you're in conference play and, and it doesn't matter the opponent because every single week is going to be difficult and every single week a team brings significant challenges and, and Utah, has the, Utah has the talent to overcome all of that, but only if they play at this really high level, this high efficiency they played with against Washington State. Yeah, I think that uh, I don't think they've used their mulligan because I don't think they only have one mulligan. I think I don't see where Washington or SC is going to go undefeated the rest of the way. They're SC. Everybody gets up to play them. They still have to play Oregon, and uh, their schedule is more difficult going forward. I think that I'm not. I'm not really even concerned about that because I think that if the Utes just take care of business, they'll win the division. And nothing that I have seen this season has changed my mind. It's for them to get progressively better. And when you look at it, I agree with you that the non-conference did nothing to prepare them for the conference. So you start from the conference going forward because obviously you can't control that schedule anyway. It's given to you. So they've made a dramatic improvement from week one to week two within the conference season. And that's the mark of a good team. So... Outside of Washington, I'm not really sure who challenges them the rest of the way. I, I get uncomfortable with, like, so Washington State, to me, that was the most, that, that was the game that produced the most anxiety. I just feel like that's a bad matchup for Utah, and they managed that really well for the, for the first time in what four, I guess they were four straight losses. So that, that was a big thing to overcome. I, I like the matchups for Utah going the rest of the way, but there are, there are games that, that still make me anxious. Obviously playing at Washington, although I think Washington is a good matchup. I think Utah and Washington match up really well. So, so I, I think Utah has, has a slight advantage in that game, even though it's at Washington. That's, that's one that I would put next on the schedule as the most, you know, next most dangerous. Arizona State, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I can't figure this team out, but it's, you know, very talented team. I like the way that Herm Edwards is managing that team. And um, they, they have some explosiveness on, on the offensive side, solid defense. Uh, a quarterback, a young quarterback, I think you might be able to get to him. But for a true freshman, the guy's played really well. Cal, I, I, like, I like what Cal does defensively, but I don't think Cal's, um, you know, Cal's not overpowering. Cal on a good day could could probably beat most teams in the conference, um, but they're not good enough that they can just walk through and beat everybody in the conference. So I think you have to look at Cal as a as a dangerous team. Who knows what Who knows what UCLA is? I mean, they they lose to Air, they beat Washington State with issues, and and then they lose to Arizona. Arizona doesn't even have their top two players on the offensive side, so I, I don't know about that. I think there's a little bit of, you know, you have to keep your eye on Colorado just because of their the way they throw the ball around the field, and I like their quarterback. They have a couple of really good receivers, decent running games, so Colorado is, is someone to, to take a look at. But So I think there's a few, there's, you know, maybe, maybe uh, a handful of, of threats on the schedule um, but I, I think that Utah playing at their highest level can, can get through that conference with only one loss. Frank Dolce joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
Do you feel like we're riding the roller coaster here a little too much, Frank? Everything was doom and gloom, now everything's great, and they're going to finish the schedule with one loss? <laughs> well, at least for the past two weeks. I mean, people, it, it was, it's just the expectations people had of this team heading into USC and all of the hype. So, and then you get knocked down, and that throws you off the, you know, that throws you off the top, and, and then you have to figure out how to scrape your way back up. So, and now you've had a really good performance, and, and I'm not jumping back up on top of the, on top of the pile. I, I think it's, I'm going to be more, a little more cautious about the way I approach it. It's, it's a difficult schedule coming up. Um, but it's a very, I still think it, there's not a juggernaut in, on the schedule. There's not a juggernaut in the, in the Pac-12. Everybody in the conference is clearly beatable. So um, it's not like you have, you know, you're looking down the pipe and you have Alabama or, or you have Ohio State, you know, on your schedule. And, and that being the case, everybody's beatable. That includes Utah. You know, then that means every game is winnable going out. So that's the way I'm going to look at it. If Utah plays at their best, if they kind of compete at the highest level throughout the rest of the conference, which is difficult, that's really difficult to do. And I don't, you know, I don't like a bye week, and and that's I think that's tough to to, to overcome. So, but but certainly the games, the, the rest of the games are very winnable for Utah. Frank Dolce, he joins us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone every week, and he's on all the shows all week long, so he's just warming up for this week. Frank, thanks a lot. Hey, guys. It's great great to talk to you. And, and you know, it sounds like, PK, you're kind of on the – you're back on the Utah bandwagon, but, DJ, you're – I never got off. You're a little more – Yes, that's my guy. PK okay, never well. – no, it's true. PK never did get off. Even after the loss against SC, he was fine. I said it was a long, rocky road, you know, hugging the side of the cliff. They used their mulligan. PK thinks they got another mulligan to use. Do you consider losing to Washington a mulligan? Well, it depends on what SC does. Well, I get, yeah. I get yeah. that. Yeah. But. So if SC doesn't lose again, then you're right. They've used their mulligan. But I don't expect SC to go undefeated. No, I'm actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to Washington, Washington. but still win the division. That's the goal is winning the division. That is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I hey, fully expect I them to a, win the division. I have an I have an interesting question for you guys. Does Ohio State's current success make it more or less likely for Urban Meyer to get back into coaching? I don't know that I consider that really an impact on him getting back into coaching. It just comes down to, will he take the job and will someone think his baggage is worth it? We need to win so bad. Yeah. We, know, we know there'll be problems because there were problems at Ohio State and there were problems at Florida. But he's a winner and we need to win. I think that's the question. You don't, you don't think that the way that Ohio State is playing right now on a team that Urban Meyer built – and all the success that, that they're having, and it's all about Coach Day, and he's not getting any of the credit. I think that, to me, I think that drives him crazy, and he's going to have to get back into coaching to prove that he's still the alpha dog. Well, we will leave it right there, Frank. Thanks a lot. Oh. <laughs> all right, guys, great to talk to you.
There is Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider, Ute Analyst here on the Zone Sports Network. When we come back, Aggie coach Gary Anderson getting ready for a trip to LSU. Stay with us. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Watch a little bit of that uh, that Aggie game. I know there were multiple things going on, but that was uh, not the start I expected. CSU is a 20-point underdog, and here they are leading 7 nothing, 14-7, I watched it uh, right in that very room where young Yawk is. Yeah. Yeah. Big Brian. What, what, do we call him the brown bear? Brown bear, Brian Brown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was uh, working the board, and I was here for the Seeger concert. So I didn't pay attention to the opening act. And so he had it on the computer in there. And we had the Ute game on and the screen that's just above Yak. Way to get her done. Yeah. Nice. So I was in there. Uh, and I got I got here at like 6 o'clock in time for the game. So, yeah, I saw most of it, actually. The, the second half was what I expected. Um, the weather should have slowed down the offenses and all that. But love throwing a couple picks and throwing a pick six. I'm going to fumble inside the uh, five-yard line. CSU is terrible defensively against the run. Everybody's running on these guys. And I thought the Aggies with two good running backs, a good running, they're they're really going to control and dominate this game. And it's not like they put up a lot of points in the second half and blew it open, but just the feel watching a game was like, okay, they got this. Whatever that was early, they snapped out of it. And they did. And you don't usually play four great quarters. I mean, that's kind of the nature of college football. There's momentum swings, and another team's feeling good and make a place for a little while, even if they're not going to win the game. Plus, it's a conference game. Yeah. And conference games are funkier. There's a familiarity with the opponents. You really want to beat them because, you know, you're somebody like a CSU. You're not going to go anywhere based on non-conference. It's going to be what you do in your conference games. Those eight conference games are going to be the difference in whether you consider your, season, consider your season a success or not. So with that in mind, they're going to be more amped up so they can lose to Toledo and what, whatever. That doesn't, you know, you're trying to win that ball game, but it's not like the next week. When you're coming into Utah State, which has got a rep now. I mean, they've got a rep as a pretty good football program at the Mountain West level. So they're going to be jacked up to play you. So I account for some of those crazier things that will happen in a conference game that you won't necessarily see in a non-conference game. The bottom line is that they found a way to win. And a funky night with the rain, when we had yeah. rain here a little bit down here, but it, obviously it was, it was worse, worse up, up there. there. The storm was more to the north, and some of those places north of those guys, they got dumped with a foot of snow. Montana, man. Yeah. They had a winter storm in that way. So, you know, things happen. They found a way to win the ball game. They're 2-0 and zero in conference. That's what matters the most. To me, that's a mark of a good team. You know, you, anybody can win. If you're, if you're just hitting on everything and things are looking great, but finding ways to grind wins out, that's more of the mark of a, a quality team in my mind. When things are going great, yeah, you can gravy train anything. But when things aren't and you're getting tested and you're tied or you're losing, especially when you're the favorite, because it's easier for a CSU to play looser. 
They're in your stadium, and you're a 20-point favorite, as you just alluded to. There's some pressure. I saw the pressure with the Utes in the Coliseum. You, you could just all practically see something that is invisible. The pressure on those guys, they, it got to them in that SC game. We're favorites. We're supposed to win. Oh, my gosh, we're a playoff contender, all these things. I think that's what the Aggies faced a little bit on Saturday, and they still found a way to win through no credit of their head coach. Yeah, he was just long for the ride, wasn't I know, he? again. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Bad guy. I agree. <laughs> Gary Anderson joins us now. We did that because we were just told he was on the line listening and he couldn't talk, so we figured why not torture him. Yeah. Gary Anderson joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. I don't know how early you were on the line. We were talking about grinding out wins. They can't all be pretty. You can't win every week by 40. But even in the games you grind out, I think there's two kinds of games. There's the game where you can't pull away, you're, in, you're ahead, it's going back and forth. But to fall behind three different times, it's like three different gut punches. What are we doing losing this game? We're supposed to be in it. Okay, now we tied it up. Now we're behind again. Do, is it something you say at halftime? Is it something that players have to say to other players? Because after a while, they don't want to hear from the coaches that's the one constant across 130 college football teams. At some point, everybody you know has heard the coach's speeches before. What does it when it's 21-14 and you're down for the third time? Well, I just think it's your culture, and I completely agree. It's not the it's not some raw raw speech, and I believe it's you know it's preparation, it's belief in each other, and the, it's uh, it's a feel. Um, and these kids have done a great job with that. It was like that at Wake Forest, and that's the first time you experience it when you're in a tight ball game at the end of the game, and it was like that at Wake Forest, and these kids battled, and that one didn't end up going our way at the end, but they fought right down to the last snap, and I thought their eyes were good, and gosh, it's a, it's a great feeling as a coach when you know that the kids are going to go compete, and uh, we try to coach them that way all year long as far as just, you know, it's it, it, it's not some secret song that gets you excited to play a football game. It's not uh, some secret T-shirt that you've worn since ninth grade that allows you to play good. It's not, you know, it's not because it's your lucky day. Um, it's about preparation and fighting, and when you get in those tight moments, you got to keep battling. And as much as you talk about that, as much as you work in the off season for that and the summer training and all the things you do, the kids still have to believe in it. And it's great to see these kids keep fighting when they get in those spots. And you know, we're we're in a spot right now. We're two and zero in league, um, and there's a handful of plays that allow you to be 2-0. and um, And that's it, period, end of story. And that's awesome to see that we've made those plays to be in that spot. Uh, so I'm proud of the kids for battling and keep on fighting. And, um, you know, a lot of times the, the coaching part's overrated. you got to battle and make plays, and, and recruiting is a big part of it. But just, hey, making plays at the end when you have to, or even in the second quarter. We had, we had one play in this game, and not to ramble, but Dalton Baker, they complete the big ball. The, the cornerback gets beat, catch it, they battle. There's a fumble because the corner keeps fighting his tail off. It's a tie score at that point. Dalton Baker, defensive end on the backside, runs 60 yards and, and recovers a fumble and is the first guy to the ball 60 yards down the field when he came back across the other side. And that may save the game. That may have been the play that won the game. So it's, it's special to see those kids keep fighting and competing. But it's them that believe in it. It doesn't matter what a coach thinks. Yeah, you know, I know you're supposed to stay in the moment and not worry about anything else, but and I think Utah has has battling that a little bit this year. When you're the favorite, and you obviously you were a heavy favorite, I know you don't pay attention to it, but with everything that's out there, kids hear stuff. How do you stay 
as focused when an underdog is trying to make its season by beating you, and the pressure's really on you and not them. Yeah, well, again, I think it's uh, there's a lot of respect to the opponent, but Colorado State is a perfect example of that. Yes, they were, came in the game, and they, they'd won one game at that point, but we knew what they had done on offense, and they'll pop out there, and they'll gain you respect as far as what they'd done on the offensive side of the ball, and you know they had they had, had their moments on defense where they had played. So we always try to present an honest picture of the opponent to the kids, um, and we've always believed in that. I've always believed in that as throwing who they're playing. What what this is this guy, this is that guy. We match up well here. This is going to be a tough match up there, so on and so forth. And I just think the preparation allows you to be able to respect your opponent um, and not listen to the outside noise, especially when the season is so young. I mean, these guys had an opportunity. The Colorado State has had an opportunity to win a bunch of football games. It just hasn't gone their way for whatever reason. Um, but as you go through time, you know, you become uh, you become the hunted. And I believe our offense is much under that attack right now. Uh, the way that we got offenses played or defenses played last year, you know, against this fast-paced offense and is much different than the way we've been played this year. Um, and that's because coaches prepare. Coaches look at things and they say, holy cow, guys, if we do this, this is what's going to happen. And not all of a sudden it's going to change. Uh, and so they've prepared differently for this offense. And uh, you need to beat man coverage now. Whereas, you know, we sat last year and said, oh, maybe can't, couldn't people line up to it. As we watched the film, that was their base quarters was their scheme. Zone was their scheme. Well, we're not seeing that anymore. Now we need to understand that we need to beat a new type of uh, defense to be able to be successful on offense, and we need to get better ourselves in the red zone in those situations because people are playing as different there also. So, uh, you know, it grows and develops. You teach your team to be able to handle situations. All you can say, all those things, but respecting your opponent, I think, is huge, whether you're a favorite, whether you're an underdog. But you do become the hunted when you've had success. That's the bottom line. So I'm curious about the red zone because the more I watch football, the more I think so many games are decided there. You can have all the stats, but if you don't get the last yard, you don't get four points. You get three instead of seven. It costs you four points not getting the last yard. Your running game with Bright and Warren, do you have a lot of options in the red zone that are going to kind of sustain you over the course of this season? Well, we need we we need to. Um, and the spread offense typically um, – is not nearly as powerful, I would suppose, I would say, as it is in the open field when the field gets squoze down. Those safeties are sitting there in the end zone. They're in a much different uh, position to be able to play different types of coverages. They're in a position to be able to get down on the run game a little bit faster. Um, so it's, you know, it, it is more difficult, in my own personal opinion, the, red, the, the spread offense in the red zone is it's more difficult to score than it is if you get yourself packed in and try to create bigger gaps and, and cause some people some problems in running the football. Um, and that's not who we are right now in our situation. We are spread offense when we get down in those situations, and we've remained a spread offense. But it's uh, we need to be better in the red zone. Um, our run game has improved. We've done some nice things in the run game the last couple weeks, which has been good and we need to see that kind of push us through in the red zone or have those plays you know if you have if you want to run your quarterback a whole bunch in the spread offense it's pretty good to run the quarterback in the red zone and but we don't want to run Jordan Love 15 20 times in the season in the red zone that's not what we want to do if we have to run him we will um, and he'll want to run but in our offense the it, it's productivity in the red zone has got to get better um, with our spread offense 
So I got to apologize, Gary. I wasn't believing you when you were saying one and one A with your running backs. I thought Warren had superseded Bright, and as the former receiver with Bright, I don't know how much confidence I had him, but he was simply sensational on Saturday. And so what you were saying about that capability really came to pass. How cool is it to have, and I know Warren had an injury in that, so I don't know what it is going forward, but to have multiple running backs that you can count on. Well, first of all, it kind of hurts my feelings you don't believe me. <laughs> yeah, nice. After all this time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's been that way. You know, to me, G. Bright, he earned his, he earned his way uh, long ago um, from our first day when we walked in here as a team leader and all the things uh, that he has earned outside of the football field. But on the football field, we've always had that belief in him. And, uh, you know, I, I just really believe that with those running backs, their day will come. And it may be the first couple, three games like it was with Jalen. And, you know, G. Bright just didn't have those opportunities for those big runs. It just didn't happen for him. And, you know, there's a couple of those ones that, you know, Jalen ran downhill and there's a great big giant hill and he ran a great big giant hole and he ran really fast through it and did some great things and had those powerful runs. And the thing about Gerald, in this last game that was so amazing is 179 yards, however many carries it was, but the longest run was 15 yards. I mean, that is a physical, grinding, just beat it down. Usually when a guy has 179 yards, there's an 80-yard run in there, there's a 65-yard run in there, or whatever that really got him over the top. But it was it was physical, it was a grinding, grinding uh, day for him, and we, we had to ride him in that situation because obviously Jalen got hurt and you know Riley's able and capable to come in. But uh, we need a third back. Uh, honestly, quite honestly, we do need a third back that we can walk in there and say, okay, now it's your turn. And is that going to be Riley consistently doing that? Is it going to be Enoch going to walk in there and do that now? Because we need the same physicality of those first two in our third back, and we haven't found that yet. So you have a little bit of a reputation as a grinder. Was your favorite play in the game, and you told us already, you told us about one of your favorite plays, but you stand a guy up, you strip him of the ball and run it for a touchdown to put you up by 10. Was that really your favorite game? I mean, there's no X's and O's and all that. Just It was a rugby scrum. Just ripped the ball away from him. Yeah, and it's the second time the kid's done it. So, yeah, it probably would be my favorite play because it was a, an absolute humongous game changer. Um, you know, three-point lead all of a sudden turned around to a 10-point lead, and then we were able to kind of run the clock out from there and, and grind some things out to, to give them very few opportunities. But Woody is such a the, – the coaching's over on that play, right? I mean, there's not a lot of coaching that's going on in that situation, that scenario. That is just uh, ability, that's want, that's want to, that's care factor, and it's just kind of having it. I mean, Woody's got it. He just, he just walks into the scrum. He did the exact same thing at Wake Forest, um, but we got that – mystery magical defensive pi called on that one um that so it didn't count as a touchdown but uh there's no doubt that he has a knack for making special big plays and you know what he made it in that situation and he's continually done it and he, you know, i think he's second in the league now in tackles but the big plays he makes uh, consistently go and he keeps grinding to get better and better and learning he's learned a lot of football this year under coach Anna. there's a lot of things that he's learned in a different type of defense that have been good for him but his special playmaking ability is uh, that's all that's all him that's that's not us as coaches or other people out there doing it it's fun to watch that happen though so now you got LSU, and the LSU program that we've seen over the years is one that they don't necessarily have great offense, don't throw the ball very well, good running backs and some defense and all. But you look at this year, their quarterback, Barrow, I think he's a transfer from Ohio State, he's thrown for something like 1,200 yards, and 
they've got a quarterback to match all that skill talent that they've had that they haven't had, and that just makes it how do you defend these guys given the fact that they seem to be much more potent than they've been in recent years. Yeah, they, uh, they're they really, really rolling in all areas. Um, you know, Coach Rand's defense is playing at a very high level, and the offense is uh, – you know, you just throw on the Vanderbilt tape, and that's the tape I watch first. And uh, they're up and down the field and big chunks of yardage and just kind of going up and down the field at will. Um, and I've got great respect for that defensive staff and um, at Vanderbilt. So it'll be a, a definite challenge. You know, uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity. It's You're going to go down there, and they're whatever they are, number four, number five in the country, and they've got a great football team. And um, it's uh, it's the setting is the setting that uh, one of the great settings, I suppose, in college football that there is. And, you know, we're playing them at a time in the year that's very awkward, could be quite frankly. Uh, to be quite frank, it's not. It's way different. You play these guys the first game of the year versus playing them the fifth game of the year. It's just it's just awkward. Um, but it, it, the this, this schedule is there. The schedule is made. We've known it's been there for a long time, and we're excited about preparing and going and playing them. You mentioned Wake Forest in your previous answer. They're undefeated and ranked 20th in one poll, 22nd in the other. Does that make it easier for you when you look back at that opener, or does that make you, you, you it bugs you even more because you could have had them? <laughs> Probably tweaks you a little bit more. In all actuality, to, you know, you're a play away from from uh, potentially being four and zero. But like I said, we're you know this team is is we're two and zero in conference, and we've had two dogfights on our hands, and we found a way to make enough plays to win them. So I I really believe that the first of the year with this schedule that we had that it is there is going to be a whole bunch of just big boy grinded out football fights, and uh, we've won you know two of those three the fist fights that we've been in and that have gone down to the wire. Um, and I believe there's more out there. And I think whoever wins this league or gets to the championship game on their side is going to be in four or five of these battles um, as it goes through the year. There's just a lot of teams that are playing well, and it kind of goes back and forth. And there may be a team that sneaks up and, oh, well, they shouldn't do this on paper, but they're going to go challenge whoever that may be in the conference that's still in the in the fight. So um, there's battles out there, and we're uh, we're blessed to be 2-0 and in conference and moving ourselves on to the next conference game, which is Nevada. But uh, the task at hand right now is LSU. Yeah, and you've mentioned multiple times you are 2-0, and and I think the success of your season, justifiably so, should be based on those eight games, not to ignore the other games, but your conference getting to the division title and then finding a way to get in the, the title game and win that and so forth. So with that in mind, and I mean, I know you're approaching to win the LSU game, but mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult. We all understand that. And the last thing you need is to have guys get beat up for the rest of your conference season. And you do have one more with the Cougars that is not a conference game. So how do you approach that going in, knowing that you're going to have those two dogfights that you've already had going forward? You're going to have several more. You play, well, played eight conference games, so you got six more. And then the Cougar game always is, always, is obviously extremely emotional. So what's the approach going to be as far as LSU? Exactly the same, you know, and I, you just have to. That's that's the that's where you're at, and um, this is the next game, and um, it's a big game. We'll never walk into a game and say, hey, well, this guy's not going to do this or this guy's not going to do that because we're going to get him ready. And if our if our kids are, are ready to play, um, I can promise you this: they want to play in this football game, whether they're uh, on the training list right now and uh, they're going to fight their tails to get 
ready to play physically this week, and the kids that are physically ready to go today will jump out there and start their preparation. So we won't look at it any different. Um, again, I look at it as, you know, it's, it is a bit awkward um, when you have two of these games that are non-league in, the, in the, the middle of the season, and obviously one of those is BYU, and that's kind of the normal normal situation. Um, and that game, as we all know, is different. It's a rivalry game, but to sit here and have a non-conference foe in this spot, I've never done it. I've never, that I remember, maybe there's been that spot before, but, uh, you know, it is it is where it is, and our, we will play everybody that uh, is prepared to play and is uh, healthy to play, and every one of our kids that is prepared to play and healthy to play will want to play. So that's how we're approaching it. Should I believe you when you say that, or does that hit a nerve with PK? What's that? <laughs> well, he didn't believe you earlier. So oh, I'm waiting to see. He doesn't that. believe now. He doesn't believe that one either. Well, no, I, no, that was me. I'm wondering about that one. I'm wondering. Yeah. That's true about most guys on the roster, but I can see a guy or two. There's the gray area. You can go, even though you're not 100. percent Those are the guys. I wonder if I'll. I'll see you when you kick it off at LSU. Yeah, well, there's there, there's always that in those situations, right? Okay. To see if they, hey, if, is there a guy that, you know, could he, would he in the situation as he goes through the weekend? And we got to get the information from the trainers. You're four games into the season, and there is those kids that are in that spot of, you know, there's a week where he can prepare, he can be ready to go, or he can't. And, you know, I, I just know this. This this team is excited to compete in this game, um, and, and they're going to play hard. But uh, I don't. Uh, I w- we won't sit there and say, and I, I really don't think a kid on this team would be like, I'll, just, you know, I'll get ready for the bye week and then get ready for Nevada and sit out the LSU game. They, they want to go compete on this stage. They, they want to go play against the best of the best, and that's what we're doing. You know, we're, Right now, the way it is and where LSU is, they are one of the best of the best in the country, and we have an opportunity to line up a play against them. Um, these kids want to do that. I don't, I don't, a competitor wants to do that, and this team is full of competitors. Well, if you win this game, I'll buy you a Coke. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll do I'll do a lot better than that for you. How about that? <laughs> That'd be what's awesome. The, what's the deal at Angie's? Is it like the whole the whole tub or the whole sink or the kitchen sink, right? Yeah, the kitchen sink. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I, I can't eat that much ice cream, but I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> We've you guys. seen it. I we know we have seen about, it. Yeah. yeah. The yeah, kitchen yeah, sink. Or, the whole team's over there at Angie's right now eating breakfast. So, but there better be no kitchen sinks being eaten this morning. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Gary. Okay, guys. Appreciate you. Have a great week. Go Gary, Aggies. There's Gary Anderson, Aggie head football coach. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.